question. So there you go. All right, thanks. Very good. Thank you, Wesley Terpstra. Very good. All right, Romans 12. We are finishing out a mini-series on community. We started it a couple weeks ago. If you haven't been tracking with us, podcasts are available for you. would encourage you to be up to speed with some of the things we've been talking about around community. I think it's important, especially coming uh, out of this pandemic and what we really need as a community. And so uh, the kind of the tagline of this series is an invitation to create community. So those words are all strategic in this phrase that we have. This is an invitation that we are kind of providing for our body, those that are online, those that are here, uh, an invitation to create. This is something that we have to forge together. This is not a passive sit back that to actually create community. It's a two-way street. We've got to work together to grow this. And then community. Uh, we're not talking about chemistry. We're not talking about connectedness. We're talking about quinonia, this community that Jesus has forged in the, the body of Christ that we uh, now know of as the church. And so like we talked about a couple weeks ago, if we put our finger to the wind uh, of our day, uh, we'll see a, a rapid decline of community. We see it within the church. We see it outside the church. There's a deterioration in our generation about committing to community together. That's the thread that we are, uh, that, that's, ha- that's kind of interwoven through our lives and through our generation, this deterioration of community. Uh, loneliness is the sad reality of the modern life. And again, like I said several weeks ago, the Gallup poll uh, group said that Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. So that's our context. That's where we are. We've uh, heightened individualism to a fault, and now we find ourselves more lonely than ever because we find that in not committing, we actually have hurt relationships from being forged and developed together. Yet in the midst of all of this, in the midst of this kind of epidemic that's happening within loneliness. There is a practice in the life and the teachings of Jesus that invites us into a new way of life. And that's this community that we're talking about together. So we're finishing out this mini-series, and today we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 as we finish out our time together. So Romans 12, if you have your Bible or your app, get your hands on this. You can be able to look at this with me. And so we're in the 12th chapter, which typically means when you read a book that there's 11 chapters before the 12th. Again, basic math, carry the one. And so we have 11 chapters that come before we enter 12. And so I'm not going to do an exhaustive recap of Romans 1 through 12. That wouldn't be fair for any of us this morning uh, to But Romans 1 through 11, there's this robust understanding of the gospel. As we've gone, if we we went through in a matter of 45 minutes, we would see that the the gospel, uh, this message that Paul is proclaiming to the church of Rome. And it's this this message of God to humanity, this, this message called the gospel, a message of hope to humanity, that God hasn't left us where we are. He hasn't left us to our own vices. He hasn't left us to our destruction. He has come and written himself into our story, the meta narrative of humanity. He has written himself into the story of humanity as the main character to redeem it through his cross, resurrection, ascension, and his future coming. So the gospel doesn't just stay in a category of belief, but it leads us to action. So uh, if you just read Romans 1 through 11, it could just lead you to believe that if I just believe this thing, then that's it. But Romans 12 through 16 leads us to how now shall we live? What does it then look like to live in light of this world, in light of this broken world and this message of hope? 
And so as we enter into Romans 12, let us remember the first 11 chapters that got us here, that we're standing upon. So Romans 12, verse 1, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers or brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the first thing that we see here is that the gospel applied leads to transformation. And I hope that provides hope to us this morning, that the gospel applied, the message of Jesus, brings hope to us in transformation. This is loaded. This verbiage is filled. It says, therefore. What's the therefore? You remember English class? And so it's there because it's reminding us of the first 11 chapters of what Paul has just talked about. Therefore, by the, it says, I urge you. Um, there's an urge, there's a, a yearning, a longing that Paul has to remember those first 11 chapters and allow it to apply to us. It's just by the mercies of God. He's trying to reorient our minds again where he's just come from and what God has provided to us. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So live it out. Live this thing out. Don't let it just be a head, kind of theological, just solely kind of in the framework of between your two ears, but allow it to shape and mold how you live your life. So Jesus has invited you to apprentice him. And this apprenticeship is an act of worship living out this gospel in our lives. See, when we hear live it, there, there's, this, there's this pervasive kind of thinking in, in some circles within the Christian faith. It's almost like a barcode faith. You kind of scan forgiveness and you kind of move on. So you kind of get the thing, you get this scan and then you kind of move on, you're forgiven, you kind of live as you please until you get to heaven. So that's scanned solely for heaven and it doesn't affect here and now. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. It's about believing and not, um, the goal is not for belief to just end there, but to allow it to shape our lives. Dallas Willard, he, he kind of speaks to some of this related to this kind of barcode thinking. He says, the real question, I think, is whether God would establish a barcode type of arrangement at all. It is we who are in danger, in danger of missing the fullness of life offered to us. Can we seriously believe that God would establish a plan for us that essentially bypasses the awesome needs of present human life and leaves human character untouched? Can we believe that the essence of Christian faith and salvation covers nothing but death and after? See, Paul is compelling the Romans that our trust in Jesus changes us. It shapes how we live. It shapes how we interact with people. It shapes how we function in life. See, the vision of the gospel is nothing short than full transformation and renewal in your life and your family's life and in this world. It leads to transformation. That's why we say that we are committed to see lives transformed and we're committed to see this, our city renewed because we believe that this thing called the gospel actually has the power to change us. So be encouraged, friends, regardless of what is going on in your life, regardless of your past, regardless of your shortcomings, that the gospel through the Holy Spirit has the power to change your life. Amen. Definitely available there. It's encouragement for us that there's power in the gospel to bring about transformation. Let's keep leaning in to that. He doesn't end there, though. He continues in verse 3, and he says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
But I think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So the second thing we see here is that the gospel applied leads to the body uh, needing one another. We now need one another within the body. He uses this picture, I don't know if he knew this at the time, but there's 206 bones in our body. There are about 75 or, nope, 78. You gotta look at your notes in those moments so you really will screw things up and then nobody will listen to anything else you say and it's just a big old waste of time. And so we have 206 bones and we have about 78 organs within our body. So these finite frames are made in the image of God. And as made in the image of God, they have something to communicate to us. And Paul's tapping into this. Just as our bodies need each other to function well, we need one another. That's what Paul's telling us here. As our bodies need each other to function well, so we need one another. We who are many, he says, are of one body. So you and I, you're a follower of Jesus. You have been adopted into this massive, multicultural, multi-ethnic body of tribes and tongues and people and nations over all over the world, globally and historically. We're part of this body together and then localized in this community. We are adopted into a family. We are grafted into a community. We are committed to one another. See, we need one another to flourish. I need you, and you need me, and we need one another in humility to flourish. We don't just need one gifting. We don't just need one gender, but we need each other to complement each other to flourish together. We need one another. We need both men and women. We need extroverts and introverts. We need the complementary strengths that we give, the temperaments we have, the gifts that God has given to us for us to grow. But if we see our, our, our faith as individualistic, I prayed a prayer and it's me and Jesus, then we miss out on so much that God has given to us within the body. It was never designed to be a me and Jesus thing. It was always designed to be a, a Jesus and his body together to flourish. That's how we were designed to flourish. And the New Testament echoes this theme but how we need one another. And I read, I don't typically do this, repeat quotes and such. I guess this is a scripture, so I feel really good about this. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back through and repeat some things that I talked about a few weeks ago. There are 59 one another statements in the New Testament. Over and over and over. I'm gonna say, I, would, I could say over 59 times because I would make it most relevant to what I'm trying to say. There's 59 times the New Testament writers say that we are in need one another. I mean, that's a pretty significant theme within the New Testament. And I want to read a chunk of those to us to again remember what the New Testament understanding was for Christianity. Not individualistic silos, but we need one another. We need community. We're invited into community together. So let's consider those together, these important statements that are said to us. 16 times in the New Testament, we hear love 
one another. I'm gonna, all the references are going to be on the right here, so I'll just read them. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love, referencing one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interest of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, stir up one another to love and good works, show hospitality to one another, employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, pray for one another, confess your faults to one another, and imagine this. Like, this is the vision of community. This is what it looks like to live in community. It's a need that we have for each other to flourish together. And what would it look like to function like this, to care for one another in this way? How would the world perceive the church if we allowed the vision of community within the scripture to actually define and shape us in this way. This is the vision. We are invited to, to grab a hold of this vision for our good and for the good of the world. We are adopted into a family committed to each other. Friends, this is the vision for community. I don't know what your experience has been with community. It might be really painful. And I know some of your stories are along those lines. But we have to, in, the, in, our, in our progress of following Jesus, to kind of submit our pain points and say, Jesus, would you give us a, me a, a new experience of community, maybe something more along the lines of this? And not just sitting back and waiting for that to happen, but actually being a part of shaping and forging that. And we need that. The world needs that. In 1891, Charles Spurgeon had a sermon, and within the sermon, he, he referenced the church in a way that I think is relevant for all of us. He said, if I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I'd become a member of it. Still, and perfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Friends, I want to be a part of a community that creates a path that we begin to really believe that this community could be the dearest place on earth to us. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes forgiveness, it takes sacrifice, it, it takes giving up our rights at times, it takes giving up our, uh, our passions and our hobbies at times to actually care for one another. But the benefit of it the return on the investment is far more beneficial if we give ourselves to this end. Amen. Amidst loneliness, Jesus invites us into his family. We need each other. Friends, 
I don't care your temperament and your personality type. We need each other. And lastly, the chapter ends out, and so I'm going to end with it in the last several verses. He says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it is as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's a rich section right there. A third thing to consider in this broader text is that the gospel applied leads to the body becoming a distinct people. Like this, is, this is the vision that Paul is inviting us into. It's Jesus' community is designed to permeate his people, to permeate the, the character of his people. See, this is the chief marker of success. We get inundated with all kinds of metrics of what success does and does not look like. But for the church, success is not defined by metrics. It's not defined by growth strategies. It's defined by character. And Jesus is defining that for us here. The permeation of Christ into the lives of his people. It transcends your upbringing. It transcends your family lineage. It transcends culture. It's this vision of transformation from the inside out. You know, as as I studied this text this last week, I I find that there's a connection between the character of Jesus and that, that, that committed community moving outward. There's kind of this twofold thing happening here. There's this kind of commitment towards one another. And then that commitment towards one another leads his community to be outward in how they live. This is why commitment matters. You don't need to, because if, if we don't commit, then we spend all of our trying time trying to keep each other committed. We try to kind of over and over again spend all of our resources trying to maintain someone to stay within relationship to us. But when we actually commit to one another, we actually say, we're going to do this thing together. It keeps us from having to spend all of our energy on those relationships, making sure they don't leave, and it allows us to then in return live outward. See, if we spend all of our time never committing to one another, then we spend all of our time trying to keep our community intact. But if we actually commit to each other, then it enables us to live outward. It enables us to go side by side on mission together, and that's what we're seeing in this text. He says, pursue hospitality. He says, bless those who persecute you. He says, give to the hungry and the thirsty. See, the church expanded in the early church because this happened. There was a message about Jesus that dethroned the weight of the gods of that day. 
So there's a grace that's available to you because of Jesus. There's a redemption available to you. It was a message, but it was also the conduct of the way how, of how the church interacted together. There was this unique conduct of the early church. They were committed to one another, and it enabled them to live outward together. See, toward one another and towards outside the church, uh, toward one another and outside of the church, they cared for one another. And we, and we need this. Let me remind you of what happened in the second century where Aristides reported to Caesar Hadrian about the way of Jesus, and this is what he said about the way of Jesus. He said, they love one another, and he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their own homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And if there is among them any that are poor and needy, and if they have... No spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply to the needy their lack of food. Such, O king, is their manner of life, and verily this is a new people, and there is something divine in the midst of them. And in the second century, what did we hear about two outsiders that looked upon the way of Jesus, looked upon the community of faith? They said, these people are unique, they're distinct, they're actually caring for one another. And you fast forward, 100 years later, we see this from Emperor Julian. He says, nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstition of the Christians as their charity to strangers. The impious uh, Galileans provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. There's this conduct within the church of care for one another, and not spending all their investment of just caring for their own tribe, but they actually led in a healthy way, in a mature way, outward. And that's the vision of community. This is our heart as a community together. We want to create an environment where we can grow together. But that leads us to loving our neighbor. See, the gospel compels us to live community, live in community, but not just to live in community, but to live in community on mission together. This is what we're invited into. And this is what we're doing as we launch groups this fall. We're launching community groups this fall. We have several of those. We have a, a more of a Bible study type model that we're launching as well. And I just want to remind you of those values. I'm going to remind you of those people. And then I'm going to remind you to, show, uh, to sign up. And then we're going to pray, okay? So the five values that we have for our community groups, uh, baseline commitment, fivefold. First is this, fostering relationships. We want to have small groups community groups, where we come together week in and week out, and we know each other. We build relationship together, foster space to connect. Secondly, we want to commit to each other. We actually want to uh, commit and show up week in and week out, unless you have COVID-like symptoms, uh, then you stay home. But other than that, you show up and you commit. And people aren't questioning our Johnny and Susie. And if those are your names, I'm horribly sorry. But Johnny and Susie, are they going to show up this week or not? Because what happens is when we don't commit, then we prevent the group from growing together. And so we value, if you want to be a part of our community groups, we ask that you would commit to these groups. I know that's different than culture, but I'm not too bothered by that. Third, uh, we want to grow together in prayer and study we want to grow together. This isn't just a country club that we come, but we actually come on purpose and we actually build, grow, and faith together. Fourth, we develop leaders. Man, from within our groups, if you feel drawn to lead a group or to help facilitate levels of leadership, we want to help. We want to kind of help you in that way. And then lastly, what I've been referencing earlier is that we want to love our neighbors. 
We don't want to just create cozy cliques. We want to lead these groups to be outward in how we function. So we want to pray for our community. We want to serve locally. We want to support our cross-cultural workers. So as a community, we are on mission together. And so we're going to be doing practical things within each one of our groups. Every group's going to be different in how we serve our neighbors in that way. But we're launching community groups um, this, this fall, over, starting this upcoming week. And so last Sunday was community group launch Sunday. And if I could think of the worst Sunday to launch community group launch Sunday, it was when uh, the week before a whole bunch of our community uh, had COVID or had been exposed to it. And, and so it was kind of a wild last Sunday where we had a, a lighter crowd. And, and, and that was a Sunday where we were really pushing community groups. And so that's awesome. Thanks be to God. And so, but we are, we are wanting to push our community groups. We think it's really, really valuable. And so I want to reintroduce all of our groups really briefly. And we're going to have photos, I believe, photos of each group. The first would be Earn and Bond. Look at Earn and Bond. That's, that's, yeah. So now there's pressure for you to clap for everybody. Um, but we're just going to remove that pressure. We, we just clap for actually everybody, so we don't have to do that every single time. So Earn and Bond are uh, some, some maybe descriptors for them. They're caring and loyal. They're the, probably the most youthful senior citizens I've ever met. And so that's Earn and Bond, also my parents, so I can say that. And so they're, uh, they meet on, their group meets on Tuesday night. And so you can sign up and be a part of their awesome group. Second, Nick and Kristen Waltz. And so I actually found all these photos on Facebook about 6 a.m. this morning. So if you're surprised that you're seeing this photo, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> And so Nick and Kristen, uh, they are welcoming, they are inspiring, um, and they also are meeting on Tuesday evenings. We're going to be talking about parenting. Uh, Nathan and Brittany Tripp, um, there they are. They just bought a house uh, about six months ago when this photo was taken, so that was really awesome for them. Again, congrats. If you guys are watching online, congrats again, Nathan and Brittany, for the purchase of your home. Good. So they are creative and they're thoughtful. If you didn't see their video yet, go to our Instagram just to watch theirs. It was the best out of all the ones we had. And their group also meets on Tuesday night. Awesome. What? Yeah, like I said, this mic, is it on? Wednesdays, it kind of cut out. So on Wednesday, thank you, Luke. Um, and so Joss and Kristen, what a cute photo. By Tim Harmon. If you need a family photo, please see Tim Harmon. He will take your photo for you. Um, and so Josh and Kristen, they meet on Wednesdays. And they are attentive. They are purposeful. They are intentional. They are such a caring couple. And so they are meeting on Wednesday evenings. Mike and Cherry. Mike and Cherry, right there, they are warm-hearted and encouraging. Their group meets on Tuesday night as well. So I'm second-guessing everything I just said. So those are our five community groups, and so uh, we want to invite you to be a part of those. We recognize that there might be more people than groups than we have. And so we want to encourage you to sign up, and we are going to figure out what we need to do. We already have group leaders that are willing to step up if we need 
to do that. And so we're asking that you would sign up. We have the last two groups we have will functionally look a little different than community groups. More of a hybrid has more of an emphasis on all of them are going to have a level of Bible study, but this is going to be a major kind of Bible study. I struggled to find a photo for MK and, and Andrew here, so I had to kind of cut and crop this morning. I have some Photoshop skills, as you can tell, so that's cool. Um, man, MK has a love for women to grow in the Word, uh, a safe and uh, not yet. That's supposed to be the next one. Um, now the joke's done, Jules. Man, um, uh, so safe and caring environment to do so. Uh, and so her group is uh, 9.30 in the morning. It's, it's going to be kind of a more like a Bible study. There's going to be some community group aspects, but it's much more like a Bible study. And so just keep that in mind in your expectations. And so um, would encourage you to sign up if you want to be a part of that. And then the last group would be my group. And um, go dogs, big game next sa- Saturday. Um, I asked Zach to best describe me. I felt like it would be fair. And he said he's like an overcooked, flavorless piece of chicken. So if you want to be a part of my group, um, just kidding, he didn't say that. I just thought it would be funny to say. Um, so our group's going to be uh, very intentional. We're going to be going through First Samuel like the women's group is. Um, and man, I just would say that you're not going to stumble into being the man you want to be. And so we're going to be doing Bible study, but we're going to be doing more than a Bible study. Uh, we're going to be growing to know each other. It's going to be 6.30 on Thursday mornings. And so I want to invite you to be able to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, you know, when it comes to some of these, if, if you're a dude and uh, you're planning on doing maybe with your spouse a community group, you could also be a part of the, the Bible study that we have. And so um, sojournonline.org slash community groups. I think there's a URL for that. just want to remind you... Um, to you, um, Jules really just wants to lay, there it is. Thank you, buddy. Um, uh, so sojournonline.org slash community groups is the URL. Want to invite you to go to that, to click on one of the groups, to sign up for that. We'll have somebody reach out to you. Uh, some of these groups are starting within the next week. It doesn't mean if you don't sign up by today that you won't be able to be a part of the group at all. But we want to really know uh, where people are wanting to go. And, and again, we want to forge meaningful relationship together. We want to be intentional in this invitation and create together a space for community. Amen? Let's pray.